Welcome to the Modern Cloister, where we cultivate deeper thinkers and worshipers through conversations about the Christian life, in the same spirit as the community conversations that took place during the Reformation at the Black Cloister, the former monastery and home of Martin Luther and his wife, Katharina von Bora. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with Kevin, and we're so glad that you've joined us here at the Modern Cloister. If you like the types of conversations we've been having, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Connect with us on social media at Carissa Turner and the J. Kevin Turner, and send us your thoughts, questions, experiences, and suggestions for future topics to moderncloister at gmail.com. Today, we're continuing our series on the five solas, which are the five foundational doctrines of the Protestant Reformation that are still as relevant today as they were in the 16th century. They marked the breaking away of what is now the Protestant Church from the Catholic Church and continue to provide the basic foundations of our theological beliefs. However, while they remain incredibly important today, many people, including Christians, are unaware of them or do not fully understand their implications to their everyday life and the life practices and beliefs of the Church. In this episode, we're going to talk about the third of the solas, sola fide, or faith alone. However, if you've not yet listened to our introduction to the Reformation and our other episodes on sola scriptura, which is scripture alone, or sola gratia, grace alone, we encourage you to do so before listening to this episode, as it will provide essential historical background and context for these doctrines and our overall discussion. So as we begin, let's talk about the relationship between this sola and some of the ones that come right before it and after it. Yeah, as you mentioned, go back, listen to our intro, scripture alone, but definitely if you don't want to go through everything yet, you like this one, at least go back and listen to Grace Alone, because um, the Grace Alone, Faith Alone, Christ Alone are all intimately tied. Um, you really can't have one without the other. It's it's the Grace Alone that saves us through Faith Alone and Christ Alone, and uh, we've kind of broken them down because you can't really talk about one without talking about the other, so we try to draw out different aspects. We're basing it loosely on uh, Romans 8.30 for um, all those whom he predestined he also called all those he called he justified and all those who justified he also glorified so we're, we're trying to break it down through through election through justification righteousness preservation imputation those kind of spreading those out uh and i know i know you're sitting there you're listening to faith alone you're thinking obviously uh this will be the face first works this is going to be paul mm-hmm. versus james um it's actually not <laughs> so <laughs> when you get to the end of this one uh and you think, man, how could they not talk about that? That's coming in Christ alone, because again, we believe in the work of Christ alone for our salvation, not our works. Uh, we're going to focus mostly on justification in this one, and then, of course, as we try to every time, how that imp- impacts us in and outside the church. So, Carissa, what is faith alone? Faith alone. We're going to have a really se- a simple definition here, and we're going to talk about it in the context of faith being belief. It is what you profess to believe. So essentially, as we talked about before that um, in the, the By God's Grace Alone episode, that it is simply by his initiation of our salvation, that is his work that makes salvation possible. This sola basically asks, do you believe in God's grace? And it is that profession of belief that is faith alone. And that is all that is needed for a saving faith. Now, in the next episode, we're going to talk about how the object of that faith matters and matters greatly. And of course, we believe that it is in Christ alone. But for now, we're simply going to talk about the idea of faith and of belief and how that relates to our concept and understanding of being justified or being made right before God. So, Kevin, this is where we have typically been talking a little bit more about the history and historical context of 
as the reformers were putting some of this together and advocating for what they believed were correct theological beliefs, it was going up against the norm of belief within the Catholic Church. So talk to us a little bit about that and where the differences lied. Yeah, the, the faith alone was kind of a new category. Um, there wasn't necessarily such thing in Catholic theology at the time, or really today, which is a quote we'll get to here in a minute, or a little bit of understanding from one of the books. Um, it was considered one and the same. There was no difference really in justification or sanctification, right? So they were they were one thing. That, that, that faith that kicked you off at the beginning um, would come in you, and that would enable, again, through grace, which we talked about last time, would be what enabled you to then work out your righteousness and kind of earn that justification through you. So um, mm-hmm. if we want to talk about the difference between infused and imputed righteousness. Yes. I have two definitions here, one for imputed righteousness, and it says imputed righteousness means that we are declared to be in the right before God on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is given to us when we believe. There's an external component to imputed righteousness, an extrinsic, something outside of ourselves that causes us to be deemed righteous. The other side of that is infused righteousness, which is defined as being righteous before God because of our own righteous behavior, because of the righteousness that transforms and changes us. So to what Kevin was saying before, while enabled by God, it still added this element of working out your salvation, being part of the process by which you were deemed and named before God and declared as righteous, that they were one and the same as far as what it looked like to be made righteous. Yeah, I think that was helpful as you move in. Like I said, the justification and sanctification were, were two different things. Um, justification is being made righteous. And again, that's that imputed righteousness. That's the righteousness of Christ that God sees in us, right, through mm-hmm. us. Um, and then sanctification is becoming holy. Uh, the, the Westminster Confession, uh, chapter 11, has a whole chapter on justification. And kind of their kickoff here on the first article is the definition of justification. And you'll hear a lot of this because, of course, this was written uh, soon after the Reformation, and most of it's focusing over and against uh, that infused, that um, that non-separating, that kind of view of justification that it is not a, a singular event um, that is final. Uh, so just real quickly, those who God effectually calleth, he also freely justifieth. So all those he called, he justified, right? We're getting that directly from Romans. Not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and by accounting and accepting their persons as righteous, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but for Christ's sake alone, not by imputing faith itself, the act of believing, or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness. So not putting in their righteousness, right? That adds work to it. Mm -hmm but by imputing the obedience and satisfaction of Christ in them, uh, they then receive and rest on him and his righteousness by faith, which faith they have not by themselves. It's a gift of God, which again is our Ephesians 2.8, right? It's a gift of God. So the, the justification and the righteousness that we talk about in the Reformation, again, over and against kind of the Catholic view at the time, is that you'll, you'll hear words um, expiation, propitiation, and that just all goes back, we're going to avoid those real quick, but it goes back Romans 3, right? Wages of sin is death. So we owe a debt to God for our sin. Christ took on that debt, right? And then 
put his righteousness on us. So expiation, that's wiping away our debt. But it's more than that. It's propitiation. That is imputing his righteousness on us so that when God the Father sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's where, uh, you know, it's a single justifying event. You know, it came once, it is finished, it was at the cross. And that's why in the Reformation, during, you know, Luther's time, Luther talked about, uh, it's a long Latin phrase, but it basically means we're simultaneously saint and sinner, right? You're, the Reform view, it's, it's you know, it can be a little negative. It talks about how we're, we're sinners and blah, blah, blah. But another way to look at it is we're actually, we're saints, Right, mm-hmm. we are viewed by God as those justified. Uh, we just also happen to continue to sin, mm-hmm. but the event has happened once, and He sees Christ, and that is how we are justified. Yeah, it does, and I think it's important to note that the separation of really these two concepts is one of the things that came out of the Reformation. That they are distinct parts of the Christian life, and many of us have likely assumed they may have always existed in this particular capacity, but these these terms as we know them today have come out of some of this work of articulating the different aspects of the faith and the difference, as Kevin was saying, between being actually made righteous and seen as God as righteous when you are still a sinner. No, it is that you are just declared it, even though you are still simultaneously a sinner. You are saint and sinner at the same time, essentially. Because all of the works that you then do in your life are part of your sanctification. They are part of the process of being made holy, becoming clean, growing in Christ-likeness throughout your life. But there is nothing that you can do after you are justified that would cause you to lose salvation. You are justified once, it is finished, as Kevin said, and then you continue to grow and be sanctified past that. They are not one and the same. They are separate, distinct parts of the Christian life. So what this leads us into then, again, is the discussion of how this doctrine impacts us today in the church and how we interact with the world around us. As we discussed in the Grace Alone episode inside the church, this has a lot of really tangible implications for the way that we live and practice our faith in community, in our families, and in our private devotions and communion with God. And it all stems from a question, are we living really by faith alone? Do we naturally believe that we are adding things onto it in this works-based sense that we have to to add things to our salvation in order to be worthy before God or are we resting in the security that we are offered through being justified once and for all yeah and I, I think most people would say we're not you go back to our uh, Christ alone we talked about I'm oh, sorry Christ alone go back to our faith alone we're getting into Christ alone man like I said they're all together we're doing our <laughs> best here people you know the uh, if you go back to to the grace alone like we said, um, just just talking about being dead in your sins um, and your your need of that grace is that uh, Pelagian and semi-Pelagian view that came in through Arminianist and that kind of theology, especially through Wesley and huge in the American church. Most of probably over half of Protestants today still have that belief of essentially um, there is that faith, there is grace, but it's like you you gain salvation, but then you have to kind of keep it, or you earn it from there, as we talked about. So, do you have? I don't know if you're on the right page. Is you had that part where he talks about still Catholic belief today? Do you have that open? Because I think that that definition that he talks about there in that section is still what really impacts us today, and we probably don't even know it. So, you want to go ahead? Yeah, it says Roman Catholics believe that justifying grace is granted in baptism and is sustained through a life of faithful obedience and adherence to the sacraments. 
Yeah, that's great. So that's so we'll we'll move on from that section now, the Catholic section. But that's I believe that view is really the view of most Protestants today that there is a justifying event that that enables us, but it's us who keep it through. Of course, as most Protestants don't believe in and you know the multiple sacraments that infuse grace or however, but that's where we get back to what we talked about in grace. You then have to, you know, do your quiet time every day, go to church every Sunday. I mean, this this is really how most of us in the evangelical church, it's certainly more than half. I, I don't know if it's most. It may be most, but it really is that belief that it, it is this event. And what, what we don't know is we're going right back to that Catholic view that the Reformers broke away from. We're going right back to that Pelagian view, or at least semi-Pelagian, that was condemned 1500 years ago away from Arminius that was condemned in councils 500 years you know it's and here we are right back at it again and that's why we wanted to talk about this because that's what matters for inside the church Mm -hmm. it does I'm so glad that you mentioned that and one of the things that we talked a lot about inside the church and how it how it impacts us there but I think another really good discussion about the faith alone doctrine is how it impacts our discussions outside the church Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, this is probably on its face the least offensive of the solas outside the church. And here's why. Most people have a broad respect and appreciation for things of faith. A lot of people have faith in something. They have their personal faiths, their own spiritual journeys. We joke that politicians even use um, like the word faith communities to be very broad in their outreach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of denominations or churches or mosques, they'll just, you know faith community so that's the most acceptable because they i mean they've marketed or not marketed they've what market studied market they've mm-hmm. studied this they know that's the least <laughs> yeah the least offensive most inclusive best term to use it is and, and there are there are faith everywhere and there is there is again broad respect for those who have faith in any faith community in whatever religion as long as it is a peaceful one of course there is a, a broad respect for people of faith that is the terminology that we use and there is a growing belief and practice that all faiths may lead to god which really makes this sola the easiest one to carry around and perhaps share which is going to be interesting to remember because the next episode is going to actually talk about the most offensive because it is then the object of your faith that we talk about next in christ that you may have faith in a multitude of things, but if they are not grounded in the truth of what the God of the universe says, it doesn't lead where you believe it's going to lead. And so no matter how hard you believe it or how much you believe it, that faith may not end up the way that you think it's going to. But there's this general sense of faith being a good thing. That's why a lot of things, especially in America, still open with a word of prayer because most people from a high-level sense are fine for these moments of ceremonial deism, if you would, just a recognition of a higher power of some sort without any more specificity. So I think culturally speaking, it's a good one to have, but it is because it is the least offensive, you're not going to really shake anybody up by sharing it. It is really the power of of the cadence between them, the grace alone, faith alone, mm-hmm. through Christ alone, that is where the impact for that difference in speaking about things comes. And in my own conversations with people over the years, the second it goes from simply, oh, you're a person of faith who goes to some sort of religious service on Sunday to knowing that it is a faith that professes Jesus, that is the the point at which the conversation shifts. And you can almost see it if you've been in those situations. Yeah, and that's why these three are all just intrinsically related, right? It's the grace alone, faith alone, as we keep saying. And um, I think as we kind of wrap up here, probably one of our shorter episodes because we, we connect the two um, as we lead into Christ alone. Coming up next week, uh, there's a 
a lot more we could say about faith alone. Again, we're trying to do a high-level overview here. Uh, I mentioned this last one, the grace. There's a lot of a lot of things you could say. Justification, specifically, I mean, these are whole thesis topics, volumes of books. Uh, you can get into different arguments about imputed righteousness, about um, substitutionary atonement. Uh, there's really confusing things where people, they're, they're right on the edge, and they, they, they move just maybe slightly from that faith alone into that future righteousness. You can get into to Piper and Edwards, and there's just volumes of book written on this. So I'd, I'd recommend, uh, if you're more interested in justification, you can search some of those, uh, find more things. Like I said, we just want to talk about where, where it came from, you know, what it meant during the Reformation, and how it still applies today. And uh, how we connect the three together, again, grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Christ alone coming up, and uh, what else we got? Basically just asking you to rate, review, and subscribe, which I think we did at the top of the episode too. But if you've been enjoying these, we hope you will continue to join us for the Five Sola series and also get up to speed on all of the other ones that we have released in the past year as well. We're coming up on our year anniversary of being around, and I think these are going to end up being released right around that time period. So fun cause for celebration on our end, and we have lots more fun things planned. So continue with us. We have two more episodes in the Five Sola series, and then we will move on to something else fun too. So listener comments, suggestions on topics are always welcome at modernclosier.gmail.com. That's it for this time. Bye.